If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are especially glad together on this day, what we call Celebration Sunday, the last Sunday of the liturgical year. The church keeps time a little bit differently than the world, and this is an invitation to intentionality, a touchstone that isn't connected to our normal hustle and bustle. Traditionally, this Sunday is called Reign of Christ Sunday. It is a feast day in the church that ends what we call ordinary time and moves us to the threshold of Advent, which is a season of hope. We call it Mayflower Celebration Sunday, which is a day for us to look back at the work we've done and then turn our gaze towards what is ahead, the light of God drawing us towards whatever is next for this beloved community. Will you bow your heads with me? If it wants to stay out of trouble, Holy One, the lectionary really should run its suggested readings by Fox News. The recommended passage from the Hebrew Bible on Thanksgiving Day was from Deuteronomy, a timely reminder. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth, but remember the Lord your God. That's enough to get the book of Deuteronomy canceled. They tried it with President Obama when he expressed similar sentiments, the idea that none of us are lone rangers, rugged individualists, or self-made, but rather that we create and build on the dreams and the help of those who came before us. We'd like to believe that our own hand got us here, of course. It makes us feel powerful and in control, and we really like to feel powerful and in control. It also makes us stingy and aggressive, which hasn't done much good for the world or for our souls. So the text reminds us that we have had help all along, sometimes invisible, frequently unacknowledged, but most often from people treating us with love that can only be described as sacred. So we will be better 
about doing as the text says, Holy One, work, remembering that you are working in ways that we cannot see and intentionally noting all of the hearts that widened the path, inspired our imagination, soothed our troubled spirits, quieted our fears, or were just there, steady, ready, and present to provide what was needed. And in our remembering, we know what we need to do, Holy One. So help us to be there when there are hands that need holding, tears that need drying, and souls that need shoring up. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us that all of us need all of us to make it. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. If you are shuffling through your New Testament to find that, remember that the order of the letters um, is General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Church camp never leaves you. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, and for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what it is, the hope to which he has called you. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Last week, my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend David Wheeler, gave you his version of the template of every letter Paul ever wrote. You remember, according to David, all Paul's letters follow this structure. One, dear church, grace and peace to you. Then two, I thank God for you and here's why. Three, Hold fast to the gospel, just like I showed you how. And then four, where things get a little spicy, there's typically an abrupt turn, and he writes, for the love of God, stop being stupid. <laughs> and then anywhere from 1 to 17 chapters, he goes on and on about the errors of the way, errors of their way, and how they should know better and do better and be better. And then out of nowhere, Paul closes with, oh, Timothy says hi. <laughs> the letter to the Ephesians shares some of these characteristics, but scholars are pretty sure that someone else wrote this letter in Paul's name, probably after the apostle's death. The writer tips their hand with several clues, complex sentences, relative clauses, distinctive terminology, and redundant expressions that just aren't common in Paul's authentic writing, things that are either absent or different from what scholars consider to be the seven undisputed letters of Paul. But really, whoever wrote this letter actually did a pretty good job of imitating Paul, namely that it includes copious amounts of thanksgiving and at-a-church praise for the congregation. My mother has, on more than one occasion, 
suggested that I more closely follow this pastoral example. She has noted that I am often hard on this congregation. She is particularly adamant that I ease up on hassling you about paying attention to the announcements <laughs> and opening and actually reading for comprehension the emails from the church office. She has even suggested that I have, on occasion, offered too strong a critique in my attempts to make sure that we are all walking humbly. The preacher's mother is Team Mayflower. Fortunately for everyone on this Mayflower Celebration Sunday, this day when we look back so that we can look ahead, this passage from Ephesians in which the author takes time and care to give thanks and praise for the congregation offers exactly the right framework for our purposes today. The author of Ephesians begins with verse 15 with, I have heard of your faith. Now, this might seem like an obvious statement, I have heard of your faith. I mean, if the author of the letter is supposed to be the spiritual guide, the pastor, the shepherd of the congregation in Ephesus, one would certainly hope that this individual would be directly familiar with its work and ministry. But this is not necessarily the case. The author of the text likely did not know his readers personally, observes theologian Ralph Martin, so the news of their faith in Christ and its expression in active love to their fellow believers has reached him from a distance. This preacher, this preacher, is in a little bit of a different position. I do know this congregation personally, and I make 99% of the announcements on Sunday mornings about your work in ministry, and even though I craft most of the communica communication that goes out, I still open and read for comprehension every email that goes out. So in this sense, it is very easy for me to say that I have heard of your faith. So perhaps it is better for me to tell you about others who have heard of your faith from a distance. I do indeed have the honor and privilege of receiving emails and calls and texts from others that testify to your witness. The sender may not realize they are borrowing a line from Ephesians, but it is said quite often about this congregation, I have heard of your faith. This time about a year ago, I got an email from the Homeless Alliance asking for our help. They had been notified that Councilman Mark Stonecipher planned to introduce several ordinances that would criminalize sleeping outside by allowing the Oklahoma City Police Department to arrest unhoused folks for living in camps on the charge of trespassing on public property. Councilman Stonecipher attempted to frame this as a humane solution to homelessness by referencing the parable of the Good Samaritan to justify his proposed ordinances. As the Homeless Alliance told us, obviously we do not want people to live outside either, but fining and jailing people who have nowhere to go is not the solution. Many of the community's overnight shelters are full. We have at least 1,300 people experiencing homelessness and only 850 beds in Oklahoma City. 
And even if there was room, there are many reasons why people don't go to shelters. It can be scary to stay in a congregated environment with other people who are in crisis. It could be mental health, a negative past experience at a shelter, people not wanting to leave their belongings or their pets. The list goes on. But more than shelters, we have a significant lack of affordable housing, which is the solution, not criminalizing people who have nowhere to go. Mayflower has always been in this work. So will you help us with the city council? It was their way of saying, I have heard of your faith. We said yes, and Mayflower hosted a community-wide meeting to organize opposition to the ordinances. Over 50 community members met in our fellowship hall and we hashed out how best to come alongside the providers who work day in and day out with folks who are unhoused. Our work culminated in the next city council meeting when multiple groups who had collaborated at Mayflower spoke out against the ordinances and a basketball team's worth of clergy explained that at no point in the, good, the parable of the Good Samaritan were the police called, not once. While it did take a day and a half's worth of community feedback, Councilman Stonecipher withdrew his proposed ordinances. This by itself perhaps would have been enough, but our work to hold the line at the city council meeting against those unjust ordinances led to an email from another organization that serves our unhoused neighbors called City Care. Would we be interested, they asked, in joining a consortium of houses of faith to address emergency housing during the winter? We've heard they said that Mayflower can feed a few hundred unhoused people in just a few hours we need a church who knows how to do that and who can teach others. So we are now part of a collaboration that City Care calls Sanctuary. When the weather gets dangerous and the emergency shelters are full, the plan is for St. Paul's Episcopal Church downtown to open its doors as an emergency shelter. And the other churches in the collaboration will provide support through volunteers, laundry duty, overnight hospitality, and supplies and Mayflower will step in to provide meals because of your reputation for showing up for our unhoused neighbors with a meal every other Saturday at the Homeless Alliance and Joe's Addiction, and because we showed up at City Hall to keep those neighbors out of jail. We have some theological differences with the leadership of City Care, but their hope of partnering with us was their way of saying, I have heard of your faith. We have seen evidence of how you love people, and we're on board. Your reputation, Mayflower, precedes you. Earlier this year, I was contacted by a junior at Cassidy School, the one located on North Penn in the village. In her initial email, Caroline wrote, I am currently in a course where we look towards our community and strive to help aid a prevalent problem. In the class, we write up a proposal, and if it's passed, will be implemented in the fall. I am currently partnering with the Homeless Alliance, and I am trying to help gain more medical donations like over-the-counter medications and basic first aid. I asked the director of communications who the Homeless Alliance is partnered with, and she mentioned the Mayflower Congregation, so I thought I could reach out. I mean, you heard that, right? 
I asked the director of communications who they are partnered with, and she mentioned Mayflower. It was Caroline's way of saying, I have heard of your faith. So in addition to our Wrap Them in Warmth Drive and Northwest Class in High School Christmas, we are going to support the work of this student who does not attend Mayflower, but wrote to us saying, I have heard of your faith. Want a partner? This has happened over and over and over again this past year. You know the stories. Our Afghan family support team applied for and received a $5,000 grant from our denomination for a diaper drive, which they were then able to turn into a community-wide effort that raised an additional $10,000 and ensured that 125 children received a month's supply of diapers and wipes. The interfaith community said, we have heard of your faith, and then they multiplied it. In the summer of 2022, we hosted a community gathering to comfort and grieve together after the overturning of Roe. That led to the creation of our reproductive justice team, and this year kicked off our advocacy work with a $250 grant from our denomination, which then turned into $1,250 from the wider community to buy supplies and menstrual hygiene kits, and the congregation worked together to assemble 100 period packs. Last week, I was at Lush, a cruelty-free cosmetic store in Penn Square, and the cashier said, you're a pastor and I think I've been to your church. You hosted a community gathering after Roe. I was so upset but I went, and it was just what I needed to not lose hope. Her way of saying, I have heard of your faith. How grateful I was to not only be able to say, I'm glad it was meaningful, but to tell her that we aren't finished yet. The reproductive justice team has plans for 2024 that will give more people more hope through more learning and more advocacy with an eye towards officially becoming a sacred congregation, a church known for its work for reproductive dignity for all. And this too will mean that more people will say, I have heard of your faith. I could go on with more examples but I don't want to repeat the entire senior minister report that I gave at the annual meeting, which many, but not all of, you came to. And not wanting another lecture from my mother on being nicer to you, let me simply say, Mayflower Church, I have heard of your faith, and so has this community. And they have felt it. Like the church in Ephesus, the news of your faith and its expression in active love who has reached those who are at a distance. Your pastor has the letters and the emails and the phone calls and the texts to prove it. And I do not cease to give thanks for you. I eagerly anticipate what, they, what they'll say about us next. Onward. Amen. 
You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.